welcome to the show, everyone. I'm going to get right into it after that debacle that was my <laughs> iPad. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm Angela Montoya, author of Sinner's Isle that comes out um, October 31st, 2023 with through Joy Revolution. Um, and I am here joined at the the breasts with with <laughs> Melanie Schubert. I don't know. I apologize. <laughs> Trying to... And the winner of the introduction awards. <laughs> yeah. I, thank you. Thank you. You're you're everyone's favorite host. Yes. Angela McClare, not Melanie Schubert. Thank you very much. Um there I there mean, was a secret poll you, you didn't cheated. hear about. You cheated by lobbying for extra votes. I didn't know it was an official lobby event. I saw your stories after. You were like Please vote for me. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck. Here not I how I sounded. That is not how I sounded at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting better at my American accent. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds a little whiny, if I'm honest, Melanie. Well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it does yours isn't whiny, but I've heard some. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, I agree. I agree with that statement. Well, welcome, Melanie. How are you today? I'm very good. And as per usual, just full of good energy after our amazing guest, Nicola Yoon, your publisher, your glorious publisher. And honestly, I I shouldn't be surprised at all because like, yeah, then the name says it all. Joy Revolution, doesn't it? And she's so full of joy and wisdom. It was such an honor to have her on. Yes, I know. I honestly, I thought I was going to have a heart attack right before we logged on. <laughs> yeah. I thought, oh, this is it. This is it. I can't, I can't go on. Um, But, but we made it. And I mean, Nicholas, so amazing that you kind of just forget you're doing a podcast as soon as you start talking to her because she's just so like such a pro and so has such a wealth of knowledge to offer yeah. just about everything and so um my heart is okay she is healed you hit it well I I didn't notice you were nervous I was nervous too this time I think because it was just like it felt like a big guest for us <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. Absolutely. We have a just a rock star and you yeah. know, a publisher and yeah, it felt good. And she just had so many amazing things to say. So yeah. Um yeah, it was a great great time. Yeah, just like writing and life in general. I feel like I could just listen to her advice for I could just listen to her speak for hours. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How she are you? I, I'm good. Wait, didn't I ask you how you were? Yes, and then I got distracted. <laughs> yes, you sure did. So let's go back to you. How All right, are you? Back to you? me. Um, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, like I feel like the last few weeks, I just like could not quite honestly. I just, you know, when you hit those slumps, and honestly, I would just like before. I would just get up and then just be on fire to write. You know what I mean? Like when you're excited about something and that's kind of like usually how I write. 
I just haven't been feeling like that lately. I was really struggling, even though I would like kind of try get myself excited. And it's not that I'm not excited about the project. It was just like what I think is a natural slump. Yeah, you can't ride the roller coaster up the whole time, you know. But it's kind of scary when you feel like that because you're like, am I losing like my creativity? Am I losing my passion for this? But like, as I've said the last few episodes, I've just really been trying to just give myself space and just like take the time off, even though, and that's why I wanted to to mention it because I was just like, you know, like in the past, that feeling has like destroyed me. And, and like, I would spend weeks and months being like, do I, like, am I in the right, am I still passionate about it? I'd like have a crisis about it. But I think I've done that. <laughs> enough times this time when it came I was like it's just a lull so every time those intrusive voices would come and be like try to spiral me I was just like yeah but like history shows you that it's probably gonna pass and it did I woke up yesterday and I was just like I had that like only writers know that like almost suffocating feeling of like if I don't get words on a page I'm gonna explode you know, and I missed it so much. Like I miss, I miss that feeling. I love the rush of just like being in that passionate space. But like, as we talked with Nicola, you can still write in the other space. And I still do. It just doesn't like build its own momentum. You'll do a spurt and then you're like, oh, something else. You'll do a spurt and you'll, you know what I mean? Like you have these little spurts where you push through but you don't have that natural burning fire. And I so love it. So it's so nice to feel like that's coming back in waves now. And, and that, yeah, that I gave my brain and body the kind of rest from pushing. And so it's come back on its own. So it's just been so like, I love that space. And it just reminds me why I do this, why I love it so much. The the ups, the downs and everything in between as our catchphrase goes. Like, cause it is that. There's so much like, oh my gosh, like querying is just like, it's a hate. And like, I'm sure submission's the same. Like, it's just a hateful space <laughs> that you wouldn't <laughs> wish on your worst enemy. Cause there's just like so much uncertainty. Yeah. You have to like yes. prepare for like, anything could happen and when shit happens it freaking happens fast intense a bunch of shit but like the in-between spaces where you're just like waiting to hear back for a few months waiting to you know there's a lot of waiting in writing you know but so I don't know I feel good this week I feel like I this natural excitement and fire that I that I love about this industry is just filling me up again. And I'm just filled with like, I don't know, it sounds a bit wanky, but like, <laughs> I'm just like, was walking down the street today and I was like, I'm just so grateful to be here doing this and like surrounded by people I love doing what I love. And I know. So it just felt all wanky and gratuitous today. <laughs> I love that. I love that the gratitude too. And, and you, you know, you've got the fire down under. I think that <laughs> you know, not just burning, burning hot, and not in the chlamydia way. <laughs> yes, in the healthy sort of way, the, the 
fire down under is burning bright. That's the The burning bush. Yeah, you've got the burning bush of uh, inspiration. (laughs) My gosh, I'm going to asphyxiate. Hang on. I'm laughing so hard. I can't breathe. Okay, sorry. continue i i i apologize for going there um you you just shared something very sweet and i had to go there um you know couldn't help myself you can go there with my burning bush anytime (laughs) it's the burning bush of inspiration folks and melanie has got yes it's true though it's no, I love that. And I love those moments where you feel so grateful. You know, those are just like the sweetest moments in life. You yeah. know what I mean? No, like you're you, so right. you go through all the motions and you're like struggling through writing or whatever. And to have those moments where you're just like, ah, yeah. you know what? This is still beautiful at the end of the day. I am, I'm here for it. Yeah. That's it right there. Because like, there are those heavy moments where like, I don't know. It's like one thought catches on to another and it just spirals you, you know? And I think maybe we're as like creatives, like we all are like that. We build the whole story. Yeah. We, so when you get that negative thought or that worry, you build the whole story that comes with that, I think. And that's Mm. where the spiral can happen. But like, I'm learning to catch that and be like, just because I had one emo thought, that's not even true. I don't always have to follow the rabbit hole and see where that goes because when I ground myself in the moment and when I just kind of focus on what I'm doing, like most of the time, like I'm kind of in awe of what, of like where I am, that I even dared to take this path, you know? And that, yeah, that's how I'm feeling this week. Just like grateful, which it is a nice surprise when there's like, it's not like I have any particularly big news to share or anything, but it's just like a moment of like quiet gratitude and it does feel really nice. So yes. Yeah. Um, yay. I what and something that you said of, you know, we build these stories in our head. I think that's kind of like why we are such good, you know, why we are writers, because we naturally build all of these stories in our head and so it's like a blessing and a curse of like I'm building either the negative or I can focus in on let me just you know Mm. shift that into story and I can use my this this brain of mine that constantly wants to work and put her to use you know like put her into something good which is crafting Mm. a new book or, or a new idea or exploring something positive and so you know catching that downward spiral and like focusing focusing it in on something good I think is is so nice but but I think writers we're just naturally our brains just want to do something and that brain is just going to go for the bad because it's easier I think a lot of times oh yeah And I spent like the first half of my life going the other way, you know, like when I was younger, I would always follow the negative spiral. And I remember this sense of like looking at people who were happy and being like, that's another world that I'll never know. Like when you're like Mm -hmm. a little emo kid, you just, you kind of like hold on to it because it is easier and it is, it's weirdly comfortable to never test yourself, to never chase any of your dreams. And I remember like, 
I was the biggest talker. I'd talk about a lot of stuff that I wanted to do and I never did any of it. And one day I just realized I didn't particularly like myself. Like mm. in my early 20s, I was like, wow, like I, a lot of what I feel, like just random therapy moments, <laughs> we're going deep suddenly. But no, like it was that. It was like this like small realization that just as I built up the negative narrative, I could build up the positive narrative in myself. Yes. And it doesn't mean for sure that either will come true, but isn't it a more wonderful, joyful way to live when you like hope for the best? And like, I find it attracts good energy as well, living like that, you know, like that the whole energy of attraction, like you attract what you are, not what you want. You know what I mean? You have to become what you want to find that energy. And yeah, it's it's always a work in progress. Like I think at heart, I'm naturally an emo kid, but it is nice to be able to like, I think it's cognitive behavioral therapy, right? It's you can retrain your brain, like literally to kind of follow other pathways. So it's, yeah, it's nice when you see that it's doing some of those things. <laughs> She's doing what she needs to do. But I mean, honestly, it's like you think about how you talk to yourself. Would you ever really talk to your friends that way? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You would never talk down to your friends. If anything, you're there like, bitch, yes, yeah. do it. Whatever you can, the sky is the limit. And th even that, it's not the limit. Mm. You know, I just wish sometimes I could reverse that and talk to myself that way. And, and I, and I have been really working on that, like the yeah. affirmation and just, you know, being kind to yourself, even when you're having that emo day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and a lot of the times when I'm really, really down, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, what time of month is it? Where am I in my cycle? Mm -hmm. I think it's just like natural. It's just being, you know, having this body and, yeah. and understanding the waves that we go through and being okay in those waves, you know, mm -hmm. having our poos, but not letting our brain spiral into that negative self-talk, you know? Yeah. It's easy to yeah. That's very smart. And like that, it's like one of the, like, E not easy but it's one of the earliest ways I remember trying to like do self-love like what to think about how I'd talk to my friends because you're right like yes. we're weirdly brought up to think it's like self-indulgent to look after ourselves I don't know who thought that was a good idea but yeah you're almost brought up to like kind of lose yourself in helping everyone else but yeah like that's it's I remember one of my when I did this mindfulness course and like they were like think of people that when you think of them your heart feels warm you know like your partner yeah. your kids somebody who you want to protect who you who you love and feel that feeling that you feel for them that fills you and then now think of yourself and turn that flow onto yourself I really loved Aww. that it like helped me like yeah. consciously be like no I deserve that too you know, other people see me that way too. And like we, the relationship we have with ourselves is the most important one at the end of the day, because you're in your own body, you know, and it's the hardest one. It's the most rewarding one. And I mean, we have to write about it because you're right. We do have just like so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
It's, we really, really do. And I've noticed what I've been doing lately is because I, I don't like sleeping where I don't like it quiet when I sleep and it drives everybody in my household absolutely bonkers. But if it's quiet, then my brain goes, Mm. she won't stop. And so if I have the noise, if I have a TV on, um, I can focus in on something else. Yeah. But like literally no one in my house wants to sleep with me. And (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying, I've been trying really hard because they're all very quiet sleepers. My partner, he likes, he'll have a fan on, but that's like max. And so a lot of times I'll sneak like my phone and I, you know, and I'll put yeah. like earbuds in and I'll watch a show until I go to bed. But I've been really trying to sit in the quiet. Mm. And so when my brain does want to go to all these like ridiculous things, like yeah, embarrassing things I did when I was 10 years old, you know, like mm-hmm. all of these moments where I'm like, why did I say that? Um, I have a lot of those moments. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Same. Like every social interaction, I'm like, oh, why did I say that to them? I was trying to be funny, but it was awkward. Ah, oh, dang. We're um, <laughs> so- the same person. We are the same. I literally like any human interaction, even if it's cheating, uh. I'll be like, oh, that was such a wanky smile. Oh, like, why did I, like, I made too much eye contact or like, I thought I was being funny, but it probably just sounded like a loser. <laughs> Every oh, time, every time, every time, I I want to always like lead with funny to just fill the space. Yeah, yeah. But my face doesn't always come off as like I'm I'm telling a joke. My face mm-hmm. looks serious, and so I will say something thinking I'm hilarious, and then they're like, "This girl's a bitch," and I'm like, "Oh crap, I'm sorry." <laughs> I was cursed with this face. I don't mean it. But, I'm um, laughing because I'm just feel so so seen right now <laughs> because I feel that too. I feel like I've literally had to train my face to like like I've looked in the mirror to be like, am I expressing joy? <laughs> am I like maybe it's because we grew up on TV. We feel like our faces need to do a certain thing to convey a certain feeling or something. But like, Probably. yeah, it makes yeah, sense no. that it would. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so I've been trying to like shut off the TV. Yeah. And sit in the quiet and go to sleep like a regular human. And so I just let my brain, instead of going to the embarrassing life stories, um, I just try and think of like my book or yeah. plot points. And that puts me right to sleep. <laughs> That's genius. That's I've been using audiobooks because I tend to be the same. Like I don't sleep well in silence either. But I've been putting on audiobooks. But then that damn alien porn book got too interesting and it kept me up. <laughs> Did you finish yet? I finished. <laughs> it's good though, right? It's good. I downloaded book two. <laughs> yeah, you did. Like, yes, let me tell you. Did. The sexy parts were nice, but I actually, 
I just want to know what happens next with the next, because freaking what's his name, Razgul or whatever, has run off with one of the humans. We're talking oh. about Ice Planet Barbarians, dear listener. I've downloaded. Oh, they know. The listeners they know. know. <laughs> they know. Ice Planet Barbarians. Okay, so the second one, have you started it? I just started it, yeah. Okay, I will get it today and I will listen as well. Yes. Because yeah. I. I'm, I need it in my life. I'm you ready. need it. And I feel like this one's going to be so much more like uh, like enemies to lovers because they're both really intense personalities. Yes. The queen will be thriving. <laughs> the queen is thrumming already. <laughs> A burning queen down under. <laughs> yeah. But what about you? How's your week been? Um, It's been good. It's been... I just feel like I just keep being busy with just life stuff. Mm. So I've just been like doing a little bit of writing here and there today. I did a pretty good little chunk. I got like a thousand or 2000 words in. Um, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, Mm -hmm. not that, not that I feel down about it, but I kind of feel like, I don't know that I'm not sure where I'm going with it quite yet. Um, so that's just kind of where I'm just kind of in the like exploratory phase, literally writing a scene and then having to stop and think about what comes next and why, Mm. Um, because I haven't, I haven't outlined this. So I feel like maybe I need to stop and outline because I did the backstories Mm. and those really helped. Um, but I think I need to outline because right now it's just like fun like it's like you know dark circus mm. bizarre vibes so I'm just all vibes yeah and and no plot so I need to work on the plot yes um but yeah I probably need to stop and do a re uh re skeleton as well because I was feeling that a bit as well we're kind of in the middle part and I'm just like that might also be why the energy is low because I feel like there's a rush of a new project yeah there's like a high that comes starting a project and there's a high that comes when you reach the end, you know, or like coming in on the end. So maybe we were just like riding these highs of finishing our last projects, but it's also probably so, so natural to have the lulls. Like it just can't yeah. be, especially cause like speaking for us both now, but like that, especially cause we feel that fire of writing so intensely, then there needs to be like, the moments the fire is has ebbed away but like I think it's always simmering away which is why we keep going but that's what I kind of meant before I think when you like exist when you have the experience of writing in the fire and you know what that feels like it's hard not to feel like these parts are wrong or Mm. like something's not right with your career or something's not right with your writing or whatever but I honestly am starting to believe it's just natural. It's just normal. It's a part of the journey to be weathered and hold on and remember that you're going to come back to the fire again, you know, and whatever you get done through this time, I'm trying the hardest to just cut myself grace in these periods because we do work so hard on the other side. Yeah. Even though I yeah. say the fire part's easy, but you and I both work fucking hard all the time at this realistically. And so yeah. I think when these times come, I just want to really consciously be gracious to myself and be like, bitch, you're working hard all the time. So you had a bad week. 
Maybe you're going to have a bad month. Is it even bad or is it just part of the process? Is it just part yeah. of our humanity, like the ups and downs and like, yeah. Just learning and growing as a person and then yeah. understanding how to write through all of that. I almost feel like I want to kind of stop and take like a writer's course or something. So yes. I feel like if we did that between projects, you know, like did um, Story Genius or something like that. I feel like that always inspires me so much more to write. You know what I mean? You just so, gave I me chills and thrills because I didn't think of that. And I now that you've said it, I think you're 100% right. I would be so on board to do something. Let's find a course. And, and yeah, because like I also always want to be learning. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just like, oh, I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing now and whatever, but maybe that's yeah. it. Maybe we need like to do some kind of course or something that just like, you know, re-shines part of the brain or ignites a different part of storytelling. Cause, and I find that like, even though you do save the cat or story genius or whatever, and you're like, well, I understand storytelling now, but it's like, so one thing, then you'll hear someone say something else and you're like, maybe I don't need save the cat. Maybe you can just pants your way into a good book. And I think it's like an amalgamation of all of that and and just like whatever you need in the moment that makes that makes your own personal journey and craft. Cause you yes. we just pull what we need from each of that, those things, you know? And I always feel like after reading a book on craft or doing a course, so much more fired up because I've mm. you know got some tools under in the belt now. You know what I mean? Like inspiration has struck because I'm like oh you could do it this way and yeah. the reason behind it is this you know like unlocking the brain a little bit of story so I think we might have to look into that all right how is your um your uh drawing course going by the way I've slow I've done a bit and then I kind of was like I am probably need to get like an iPad or something to draw because drawing on paper is probably not going to be my. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't okay. think we're going to get past stick figures. I'm still <laughs> the jury's out, but I'm also like, you know what I realized when I first started doing it, and I was having so much fun, and then I kind of felt this panic that I wasn't any good, and I was like, that's all right, you'll learn. So I'm still basically the way I'm approaching it is I'm open to learning and keep and finishing the course and seeing how I feel after. But I'm also realizing this thing of like, not every new project I start has to be my new hobby. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something that yes. I'm realizing is I tend to start a lot of projects and I love that journey for me because it keeps life exciting. And sometimes you find it like the clay, like I've found a new hobby that I do and I enjoy and I can mess around with a bit. That's something yeah. I probably wouldn't stop doing ever. But I'm, I'm, the jury's still out on this one. Am I going to be a graphic novelist or am I going to, was it just a thing? I don't know yet. We'll see. <laughs> I'm giving myself Wait. space for it to be either. I love that. Yeah. And as long as you're having fun, I guess, really. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of fun, um, oh, we should probably read Nicola. No, we've got time. I'm going to try share the screen. And, oh, okay. Let's see yeah. if she, she figured this out. So when we had Maya on, it came to my attention 
that you have a special skill that I didn't know about, which is I hear that you have a talent for doing uh, audio enactments for the characters on covers of books. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, I, I don't know. Okay, let's. Oh, do you, is that not something you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember her saying that, and I'm sure I did do something at some point. <laughs> well, we're going to test it out today because I have I have trolled the internet's depths for a couple Uh-oh. of others for you, and I would like to see this gift of yours in action. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so if I can work out how to share my screen. Okay. Oh, so gosh. how would you envision these two... Does it come up on your screen? Will the listeners see yeah, it? No, I, I, I think so. I okay. think people would be able to see this. Cool. So, okay, I'm seeing our time is dwindling down, but let me just let me just say what I see firsthand off from this cover of Frankenstein. Do you do you notice her hand grasping his thigh? She is pissed. Not only grasping, but where's that pinky going? Do you see the? Pinky? Uh, we don't want to look too closely because you will be having nightmares the rest of your life. But she's she is grasping that thigh. Yeah. So I feel like he said something. Probably I'm gonna say he probably just looking at him and his his scowl. He might have said something very inappropriate. Like I would say borderline, probably racist. He probably said something. <laughs> under his breath and she is grasping him for dear life to get him to shut up that's what i what i envision right here in this picture what do you see melanie that got dark (laughs) i see his face as looking smug he's just like yeah yeah we did (laughs) and she's just like i need you in the bedroom now Oh, okay. Well, that's because you just finished Ice Planet Barbarians. That's where your brain is at. I see where this has happened. Okay. I thought you were going to give us voices like, hey, baby, why don't you meet me later in my crypt? <laughs> in my crypt. Well, I planned on it, but then my kids came in and they threw threw me all off, you okay. know. We'll do another one next time, but next time I want voices. <laughs> okay, I'll be ready for you next time. I will have my voices ready. Um, but let's let's introduce the special guest of the hour, Nicola Yoon, um, who, as I said earlier, I almost had a heart attack before we even joined um, on having her on because I'm obviously such a fangirl and she just means so much to me. So, and my career mm-hmm. um, and just personally. So I, would you like me to? I think read you should. Okay. Yeah. She has really, she has a really fun bio. She has the official version and the unofficial version. So I'm going to post both on our Instagram mm-hmm. because their unofficial is perfection. Yeah. Um, but I don't think we, we have time for that at the moment. So let me read Nicola Yoon's official bio. Nicola Yoon is the number one New York Times bestselling author of Instructions for Dancing, Everything, Everything, The Sun is Also a Star, and a co-author of Blackout. She is a National Book Award finalist, a Michael L. Prince 
Honor Book Recipient, a Coretta Scott King New Talent Award winner, and the first black woman to hit the number one on New York Times Best, uh, oh, New York Times Young Adult Bestseller list. That is amazing. Mm. Uh, two of her novels have been made into major motion pictures. She's also the co-publisher of Joy Revolution, a random house young adult imprint dedicated to love stories starring people of color. She grew up in Jamaica and Brooklyn and lives in Los Angeles with her husband, the novelist David Yoon, and their daughter. Gloria. She's just an all-around cast. I agree. I want to speed read the unofficial one because I loved it so much. Do you want me to quickly read it? Do it. Do it. It's so sweet. The unofficial version of her bio. I believe in love. Really, truly. I'm kind of a hopeless romantic. In a former life, I made jewelry. You can see some of it here. I love karaoke, but I cannot sing. I am the worst. My song choice is Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply because Air Supply. My husband <laughs> makes custom notebooks. They're pretty popular. I handwrite my first drafts. I, I was, am, and always will be a late bloomer. In a former life, I was French. I could live entirely on wine, wine and cheese or maybe Korean because I could live on kimchi and galbi too. So sweet. Yes. Yeah. She's she's just a special human being. And you can just, she exudes love and joy. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear what she had to say. Yeah. I Let's get her on. <laughs> Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. So good to see you. We are so excited to have Yay. you on. Hello. Hi, Angela. <laughs> hi yeah hi, melanie was asking, she was hi, asking uh, melanie meet nicola the amazing i mean i'm sure you know everything yeah. about her um but no melanie was asking before we got on have you ever zoomed with nicola before and i said actually not to brag but yes <laughs> i've i've met well, yes we have been on uh um, a zoom call before but also i don't think i've told you how much your like tiktoks cracked me up Oh, oh God! Thank you. I appreciate that. Honestly, whenever I see that you've liked something, I'm always I always get very embarrassed. Like, oh no! Oh, you are so funny, and you're just like you just go for it. It's fabulous. I love it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank, you. thank you. Yeah, I I have fun on social media, and um, you know, it's been one of those things. I I've, I've been doing it just for fun for the last few years and um and I've met so many amazing people mm -hmm. through you know uh Instagram or TikTok and so it's just been like a joy to be yeah. on social media always but you know Twitter used to be like that back in like when I was debuting that was kind of fun back then and then it just was ruined so I, I never on there anymore but I met like like my best publishing friends are Sabah Tahir and Adam Silvera, and I met them both on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I so it used to be like a play. Yeah. yeah. What did you say, Melanie? I met all my best writing community online, honestly. Like it's yeah. such a treasure to me. And I 100% agree. Angela's reels crack me up. And, it, <laughs> and to be honest, though, it always grounds me as well and reminds me when it gets really noisy in the industry, it reminds me what I love about it so much. Like yeah. the big hearts, the goofy hearts, the creative hearts. Yeah, we do. We need reminding because sometimes it's crazy out there. <laughs> yes. It's a lot. And it feels like it's been a lot, 
even more recently, there's just a, so much happening yeah. um, in the industry and just in the world. So, you know, yeah. just we yeah. need a little laughter. Yeah. Well, enough about me. As much <laughs> as I really appreciate this. <laughs> Let's get into more about you. Um, I'm sure all our listeners are already experts uh, and know everything about you. Um, but before we even will, you know, put this part on, Melanie and I will do like your bio and your formal introductions. But okay. um, can you tell us a little bit about your writing journey? Did you always want to be a writer? Hmm. You know, so like a few years ago, I found my old diary and in it, I was like eight and in it, I said, I want to be a writer when I grow up. And then, so I knew at one point, but then I like went to high school and I was really good at math. And that was a problem because it led me down a dark path, right? Like, <laughs> math, math led me to <laughs> I like to, to engineering in college. Um, and electrical engineering was my major actually it was an insane amount of math um and then my senior year i went to cornell which is in upstate new york where it's very cold but one of the requirements at cornell is that you must take a class outside of your major in your senior year and so i took creative writing and so that's how i came back to it in the first place and at the time i was like suffering from unrequited love with this boy who did not love me back like even a little bit <laughs> It was terrible. It was terrible. And so I wrote everything. I like I wrote poetry about him. I wrote one act plays. I wrote screenplays. I wrote short stories, all of them about this boy. <laughs> and my professor, I remember very distinctly, she like had office hours and she said, you know, you have potential. You're very talented. <laughs> and she's like, you're eventually going to get over this boy. And I was like, no. Um, but then I did get over the boy, but I got sucked into writing. So that is that is my tale. <laughs> I love that so much. There's so many <laughs> different parts I love. Math is such a, like, that's the first mathematician we've had on the show. It is a very polar opposite direction to be pulled. <laughs> but I love that. I love that's part of your story. And it's so, like, it's so true when you're younger and you have these like burning crushes. You're like, um, I will never love again. This no, is like, I was sure. I was <laughs> certain this is, and like, I can't even tell you his name. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I yeah. around, so I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's the way it should be. Who is he? We don't know. But at least he yeah. gave you the inspiration for something yes. so amazing. Yes. Well, everything everything was like the first book you actually wrote? No. It's the first one that was published, but not the first one I wrote. I have, and honestly, it's not like the book is terrible. Like I have a book that was an adult book that's like in the metaphorical drawer. That's like a very, a complete book, but very short. And occasionally I look at it and I go, one day I'm going to go back to this. And I think I really will. I just, I think the story is too big. I don't think I'm good enough a writer yet. So it's like one day I'm hoping 10 years from now, like I'll have all the chops that I can like put this thing together. Um, so that, that's been sitting there. And then Everything, Everything is the first one that got published. Um, so, but the second book I ever wrote. But, you know, I went to graduate school for writing. So I, you know, I wrote a lot. I've been rejected from 
every magazine in the world for my short story <laughs> before everything everything became a thing yeah wow it's so it's so um kind of nice to hear you say that you're you know that book is maybe down the line that you're not quite there yet you know as a like a new author young like you know budding writers to know that you know the big dogs are still feeling like you know I'll get there eventually you know what I mean it, it's very um comforting you know it's <laughs> to just know that we're always learning yes that's true but also no one has ever said called me a big dog before <laughs> so <that's> <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> I think that's very sweet it's not a true at all but that's very sweet um but yeah I mean I think that's true right I mean I think that ho the hope is that you're always learning right and like growing as an artist mm -hmm. um I have an adult book coming out next year and I absolutely could not have written that book five years ago right mm -hmm. like it's just it's just one of those things where you know you, hopefully you're stretching yourself every time you write you know put something down um but sometimes it's just not there yet Right. Like I needed to write those other books before I could write this one. And I think I'm going to have to write like a couple more books before I can write the other one that I started when I was like 20. Right. So who knows how it goes, but you do need to be like stretching yourself and learning. If it's easy, you're not. And what's the point? Right. Like if you're not doing it right. I don't think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was good. That was I need to remind myself that every day because I think that's the thing. When you reach a point when something starts to feel hard, that's kind of the opportunity for growth, right? Like I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's not really the moments when it's easy and when I'm on fire for writing that really define my staying in this. It's kind of when I reach those moments and I'm like, this, I don't want to do it anymore. I shouldn't do it anymore. But you do it anyway. You kind of just yeah. push through because you still have that fire that wants to be fed. And I think, yeah, it's so important. Have you ever had a moment when you're writing, like you don't want to write this thing, you don't want to write it, and then you write something and it ends up being one of your favorite parts of it? Yes, 100%. You know, you're just stuck, you can't do it, and then you have to be just like, ah, oh, I got to put something, this book is due, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Then it ends up being the thing that you stretched and and you love now. So... Mm -hmm. Sometimes coming up against those walls is not bad for you. Yeah, you gave me chills because 100% exactly that. When I thought I'm just going to force a little bit out, it's probably going to be rubbish. But then I go back and I'm like, why do I love this so much? I wrote it when I was like thinking I shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I got chills. <laughs> those are the very best moments. And I mm. feel like even... Um, when working with you guys on Sinner's Isle and pushing myself and, and stretching places I didn't think I could go. Yeah. Um, and then coming out with a product that you just are so proud of. And, you know, you're just like, oh, I thought it was so great before, but when I really forced myself to just get out of my head and let go and just write the damn thing, it turns into this beautiful, you know, piece of your heart that's on the page. And, um, and writing is just one of those, it's just one of those things that's so special. And it, and it really kind of changes you as a human, as you do let go. And, yeah. um, you know, we love I feel it. like you learn so much about yourself too. Like, I mean, I don't know, when I write, I write all the things I don't know. Like people always say, write what you know, but I actually always write with a question. 
in my head. And then at the end, I don't necessarily have an answer to the question, but I've asked all the questions around it. Like I know what I think about it by the end, you know? Um, and Angela, like you're such a great person to work with, like writer wise, because a lot of writers do hold on too tight. I know this because I hold on too tight, but like your manuscript was fabulous when we got it. And then, you know, we just want to make it better. And you like took like the notes so well and then like stretched yourself, you know, like you like, because the best edit letters ask questions, right? And then you as the writer answer them in your own way. And like you did such a great job. I love your book. I mean, you know this because obviously <laughs> we acquired it, but I love your book. I can't wait, wait for I, it. <laughs> no, I think a lot of that honestly was, I just trusted you guys and Bria so much. So when the questions came, I knew it was coming from a place of let's get this book as yeah. good as it can get. You know what I mean? So I think trusting who is behind you and and um, letting letting go really does make all the difference. And um, I, a lot of it, like I have to say, like because we had just gotten out of pitch wars not uh, long before mm -hmm. I sold the book, um, like learning how to listen to people's critiques was was so valuable it's hard yeah yeah it's really hard it's like you know it's a gut punch but it always as soon as you kind of get over that initial like oh my book is awful how do they <laughs> why did they get this book but you know but it's like they got it because they understand and they just want to see it grow and so uh I think that's just part of being a writer is like taking the hits yeah. <laughs> and learning yeah well I mean you know but my editor asked she just will send me pages of questions and it's like the best thing because I'm like I don't know the answer to your question Caitlin I don't I have no idea and so then I have to figure it out right and put it in the book yeah yes I heard someone once say that like writing is basically just problem solving you know it's you're just asking the question and then just trying to solve that problem and sometimes when you're blocked it's because you just get tired of having to solve problems and and it really kind of released me when I heard that mm -hmm. I'm just like okay maybe I just need a break for the day my brain is yeah. you know I've been on, I've been on editing mode and mom mode and all the modes and I just need to watch like some RuPaul drag racer or, or yeah. something you know just let go <laughs> I play video games that's my stress relief I'm just like I need to go kill something so I could do that yes <laughs> What's your go-to? <laughs> oh, right now I'm playing Jedi Survivor on PlayStation 5, which I love. The first game was fabulous. The second one just came out. So that's what I'm doing. But I just turned my book in, so I'm on a break. I'm like, I'm like a week break, <laughs> not doing anything. Yay. Oh, nice. Yeah. That I, I love video Like my, my son loves video games. And I just like to watch because a lot of the stories that they have woven through video games are so good. Yeah, some of them uh, are really oh like, What's God. the one that put on HBO? Uh, Last of Us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My husband played that and it was like, I could not watch it because it's too gory, but this, mm. he said that it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, so good. It was so good. Video, yeah. I told my son, you need to be a, a writer for a video game. And he just, you know, he rolled his eyes, but maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Yeah, but whatever refills that well, you know, like that's the thing. Yeah. Everybody's got something different that refills it. And if it's shooting up some zombies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever, 
fills the well. <laughs> I'm I'm glad I was going to ask you what's it been like working with Angela, but you you went there already. <laughs> but um, can you tell us like something you love about Sinner's Isle? Like what was something that just really drew you? Um, I think it's really hard to like hook a reader right away, and that like first of all, people think that the first line is the BL ML, and it's not right. It's mostly it's really the first page that gets the person going. Mm-hmm. Um. And you just have to be very specific. And I love how specific Angela's point of view is in the story, like, and the world of the story. So like, you just, you're like, oh, I have not read this before. Like, you know, you just, it's like a little tilt of your head. You go, oh, because women we read a lot like of books, right? And when I get, like, I can tell right away. I'm just like, oh, I don't, I've never seen this. And then she doesn't let go. That's it. It's like step on the gas the whole way through. I'm just like, yes. And then, you know, it's like very big and feminist and I, I went through this magic. I love how strong our heroines are. Mm. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's hard. It's a hard note to give when you're rejecting something to say, like the voice is not quite right or it's just not there. Um, but it's like one of those things where you know it when you feel it, when you see it. Like you just know, like it's that it's a confidence in the author where you feel like you're in good hands or like they at least know where the story is going. And if they're not telling you quite yet, it's fine, they're gonna take good care of you. And mm-hmm. like sometimes when you read earlier things, certainly when people send us their first draft, which no one never send the first draft, right? Send the third, send the fourth, don't send the fourth. Cause we can tell, like I can tell when I, my first drafts because they're just not ready yet. Um, but sometimes you get a first draft and you can tell that they're not really sure where the story is going. I and mean, then that as a reader just leaves you shaky and not, it's not like pleasant, right? It's not a good feeling. You're just like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, so I think that's what it is. Like very specific, very confident. And also I need to know what happens. I was just like, oh no, I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. And even when she sends me stuff, early stuff, and she's like, it's terrible. I'm like, no, you're still holding my attention by the reins and I have to know what happens next. <laughs> I mean, I was just say I should also say, obviously, you're a terrific writer, and <laughs> I like said all this other stuff, but I didn't say like the basic. Oh, she's a really good writer. <laughs> hey, I don't, I don't care. I'll take whatever you have to say. I'm just happy to hear it. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think it's really great advice, just in general, too. I mean, just like good writerly advice to kind of hear what you had to say, what makes those kind of things stand out. Um, and you, I, I know you guys must see so many projects. Do you, now looking back when you queried, what was what was your experience like? Um, you know, I had a little bit different experience, right? So I I sold mine on a partial to Wendy Loja at at um, Delacourt, um, and so I had been through like a bunch of rounds of revisions with it, um, and then I had the unique experience where it went to auction, right? So I had like a lot of like interest. Um, I sold it. I got my first phone call when I landed in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So we like sent it out on like a Thursday and I was going to Hawaii with my family on a Friday and we're on the plane. And like right before we were like sitting on the tarmac, um, my then agent was like, I think we, I think people are interested. And I was like, okay, well, what's happening? There's, there's like a preempt. I was like, oh, should I take it? I knew nothing about anything. And then by the time we landed in Hawaii, 
there were like several offers I think 11 in the end mm. on the table and then I was like I don't know what to do so then I interviewed five people six people and then when I interviewed Wendy Loja at Delacorte I was like oh yeah you're a good person mm. um so I had like an unusual sort of experience mm. yeah um, must have been very hard to like decide when there was so many coming at you at once I mean, it was so exciting. Um, I don't, it wasn't that hard, honestly, man, because you just end up talking to people, right? So like, if you just like take it, like I just talked to the, the editors and I was like, mm-hmm. you get your gut, right? You know, it's just like, oh yeah, no, I think you get it. Like I asked everyone, you know, what would you change in the story? How do you feel about the ending? Because I, like I said, I still have a partial. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just like the gut. It's like, oh no, Wendy, I feel like it's it the most. So in the end, it's just like feel. Um, yeah, it's not, it wasn't. Yeah, that's it. It was just totally yeah. one hundred feelings. No, I think that's the best way to be. That's like it's very wise to like follow that energy because ultimately, like the offers or whatever is great but like if you have somebody that's like your your people right that like your tribe that you want to work with then that's everything. It makes the journey so much better. Yeah, I mean, I think what happens, especially at the beginning, is that you think that you're only talking about one book, but you're not, right? You're trying to make a career, right? And it's not, like some books will do well. Even the most storied careers have ups and downs, right? Some books do well, some books don't. And what you're trying to do is like cultivate a body of work and people who will support that body of work through the ups and downs, life gets in the way. There was a four year span between my second and third book. My mom was very, very sick in between. Um, and so you, you have to have people who are gonna stick with you and believe in you. And, you know, a lot of debut authors think it's everything's about the one book, but it's not. It's about the second and the third and the people who are gonna support you at the fifth, even if your sales aren't great, but they know that you're a terrific writer and they know that it will come back around. You know, so you're not you're not just looking for like the big marketing budget for one book. You're looking for someone who's going to say, "Oh, I believe in you and your career. Um, I want to stick with you." So that is like if you, when you think about it that way, then you really are just talking about people and people you feel like you know you can trust. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Honestly, well, and I even feel like that a little piece. Honestly, when it comes to Sinner's Isle. Um, like it's just my first book is is what I keep telling myself and I just want to get better with each book that I write with each story that I have and um and and it's really brought me a lot of peace to know that yes this is my debut but it's just just the first and I you know I can grow Mm -hmm. from here and I love what you had to say about you know Mm -hmm finding the person that you know is going to support you all the way through your yeah. growth and yeah. good times and the bad. Yeah. I mean, cause there's going to be just like, I mean, some, you know, obviously you need the base thing is you have to have a good book. Right. And then hopefully you've got like good champions and good marketing and la la la. But then sometimes the world goes haywire and there's a pandemic. You know, think about all the debut authors who had their books come out in the middle of a historic pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need people who are still going to say, it's okay. We know it, trash your sales mm-hmm. onto the next one you know what I mean so like there's some luck involved too right you can write the best book in the world but if it came out in March 2020 probably very few people read it and that's not your fault right that's just 
Mm. Happy work. Yeah. yeah, that's rough for sure. Yeah. Did you have a, a harder time? Because you have, I mean, you've got books, you have anthologies, you have amazing books. Did you, was there one that was harder to write than the rest? Yeah. Um, my third book, Instructions to Dancing, was the hardest one for sure. Um, and I wrote a book before it, which will never see the light of day. Um, and that was when my mom was really sick. So my like after the sun is also a star, my mom um, had cancer, lymphoma, and it was a disaster just for a long, long time. And I was writing through it because you know books are due and la la la. And I wrote a terrible book. It just had no hope in it. You know, like there, it was just dire. Um, I and mean, you can write a dire book, but it has to modulate. There was no modulation. It was just sadness throughout um and so I had to set that one aside which was painful because it was like you know a year and a half later and, I was like, oh. and then I started instructions for dancing and I there was a lot of restarts on that mm-hmm. to find like the voice and to find like a person who I could get through to a hopeful place um I fought really hard for that book um and I love it now but my god <laughs> it was a pain in my mm-hmm. leap <laughs> Yeah. I think when we're writing about those raw parts, like if it moves a reader on a page, I feel like usually on the other side, there was a writer crying or laughing or whatever the emotion is. If it moved the reader, there's some like heart and guts on the page. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully when you read it, it feels, um, you know, the books that feel easy you're like oh I'm just breezing through this FLS those are the ones you know cause actual suffering <laughs> like those poor authors are just like in hell <laughs> yes yeah. that sounds right it's <laughs> right? true yeah that feels right for sure yeah. just to make it look like it was a breeze right, right. <laughs> no I read your book in an hour and I'm like shut up write <laughs> 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 <Bye>. that book <laughs> Yeah, it's such a compliment, but like also like a fear factor of like, well, you read it in an hour. Now I've got to like produce another one. Right. And they're like, what is the next one coming out? I'm like, give a, give a girl a break, huh? Yeah. <laughs> give a girl a break. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I know um, from your bio, and I've heard you in interviews before, you have mentioned that you handwrite your first drafts. Now, do you, are you a pantser or a plotter? Do you have an outline already ready going into that? Yeah, I mean, I have, I always have like a basic outline. So I like, I do like traditional three act structure. Um, and I know like the plot beats in each act. Um, so it's very loose because if I let it all out, I won't write it because then I know what I think and I won't write the book. <laughs> Um, so I, like, I'll have like uh, major plot beats down and then it changes as I'm writing it because you know the character will be like no that's just not that's just not working or whatever <laughs> but that's what I do I write by hand because I don't know how else to write <laughs> except for by hand for that first draft um, I used to write at 4am and I sometimes still do but when I wrote everything everything I still had a full-time job and mm-hmm. it was a very, it was Wall Street job. So I had to get up really early because I went on the West Coast and Wall Street operates on the East Coast. So I would get up at four and I would write and then I would go to work. Um, and I would write by hand because I just felt it very free. Like I, there was no pressure. It's just paper 
I can just write it down. No big deal. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I ripped a few part out. So like my internal editor doesn't work with when it's by hand. It's just like, whatever. My internal editor is asleep. There's no pressure. And so I still do that. Like all the strange things that happen in the books or the weird associations, it's because I'm like basically exhausted and I'm writing by hand. So that's it works for me. That's so wow. cool. Well, it kind of brings you back to like being eight years old and writing in your journal again, you know, just that <laughs> yeah. freedom. Yeah. Like because we used to well, we all used to, right? When we were younger, right by hand. I mean, I guess maybe not the like the little snack, they're all typing. But my little girl still writes by hand. Um, mostly oh. because we don't let her have a computer. <laughs> yes. I am fascinated by this. My handwriting is atrocious, so I feel like it'd be very <laughs> risky for me to try write a first draft by hand. I would be like, what does this page say? But no, it's there's like such a romance to that. And I can see how it would be liberating to be off screen and just to yeah. have this page in front of you. So it's like it's such a beautiful picture to just the old school <laughs> writing by hand. Yeah, but it's not romantic. It's like literally I've tried to do it another way and I just cannot do it. <laughs> so I just want to be clear. I'm like, it's just like, I'm an idiot and this is the only way I know how to get it done. <laughs> so like, I will write and then like every three days or so, then I'll just type that in. And it's like my first like little revision and then I'll do it mm. again. I'll keep going and then I'll get to the end. And then I usually revise mostly on the computer. Um but if it's like a big revision, like, you know, if there's a lot of notes and I have to do new scenes and I'll go back to the notebook and, mm-hmm. and write by hand again. But my, my husband tries to get me to change and I tried it once and it sucked. So I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, as your fans, we think it's romantic. <laughs> Even if it's your own private hell. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I didn't have to. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Well, I I see one question because we were just mentioning romance and we're just imagining you just in your office and your study, (laughs) you know, with your quill and paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but my question is, what advice would you give to writers who wish to create compelling romances like yours? I mean, I don't know. It's funny because like, you know, like, especially in a lot of YA books, or even romances in general, like, we talk a lot about, like, the physical traits of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how attractive they are, and obviously, you know, that's important, right? Because it's partly wish fulfillment, wish fulfillment in romances, and also just because, I think, in general, you have to be attracted to your romantic partner. But I, the thing that I do in the books, and the thing that I love when I read the book, is, like, when people fall in love with each other's brains that's it mm-hmm. right it's like when they're like all of my books are very talky like the, the characters talk to each other a lot actually mm-hmm. um partly because I love writing dialogue but partly because I believe you fall in love when you fall in love with like another person's idea of the world and way of looking at the world that's how I fell in love with my husband that's how we're still in love because we talk all the time like we are like, we're just always like, oh my God, think about this. Oh my God, what do you think about this? Like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's always about talking and them kissing, obviously. It gets in there, <laughs> right? But, they, but I don't know, like, um, a good love makes your world bigger. It doesn't make it smaller. It makes you think 
it makes you it opens you up right um and i think that's what i try to do for my characters it like changes their point of view changes their perspective a little bit um teaches them something about themselves and then the thing that i always say is that you know you have to love yourself first before you can love anybody else and so hopefully when you're falling in love you're falling in love with a little bit of yourself too you're like oh i'm pretty cool like i am worth a big love right like love is transcendent and you're supposed to you're supposed to love yourself and it's supposed to make you go oh this world is amazing you know so that's that's what i do which is not very practical advice but it is how i write them i think it is i think it's perfect and i feel like nicola yoon writer publisher relationship advisor (laughs) that was some fire right there and I think it's so true I feel like I said this last episode but I was watching Jewish matchmaker and that's what one of the girls said she was like you know you're ready to get married when you would marry yourself like there's got to be a love of self to know yeah how good is that (laughs) you when you're when you love yourself and you know what you deserve like that's how you can find a partner that you deserve and like no I loved everything you said we could talk about that for hours but I have to train my ADHD brain back to the top (laughs) back to at hand because speaking of romance you with your husband are co-publishers of the imprint joy revolution can you tell our listeners what it is and how it came to be yeah so um joy revolution uh of which Angela is one of our authors, is a publishing imprint and Random House children's books. And it's dedicated to love stories starring people of color, written by people of color. Um, Because when David and I met in graduate school, we were both romantic goobers. And Mm -hmm. all our favorite stories just had no POC in it. Like they were just like, or they were always the sidekick, you know? It's like Mm -hmm. sassy. Tina or the sassy black girl or the lab tech like you know the Asian lab tech or whatever and never like the main character like the one the swoony mm-hmm. fall in love with her fall in love with him you know like the one who walks into the room and everyone you know finds them attractive and vulnerable like all the stuff that romantic comedies do um that and obviously people of color fall in love every day all day because everybody does right <laughs> just a little bit because they're human right I fell in love every day in high school is a thing that I always say and it's totally true um and there was just never the space and we talked about it for years when we were in graduate school and after like how because this is our favorite thing how can we do this and then you know it was only after I got some success and Dave did too that we like and Barbara Marcus, who's the head of Random House Children's Books, is lovely. Um, she's been a mentor to me over the years. Just, she's just been really just fantastic. Um, and then one day I called her up and I said, Barbara, I think um, we should do this. <laughs> and it was the best thing because she listened for a long time. She's like, you should write me something up. I'll think about it. And so then I went and David and I wrote something up and we sent it to her. And I didn't hear anything for a while. And I was like, oh, she's not, she doesn't hate that. She hates it. And then in standard CEO fashion, like three weeks later, she sends me an email. She's like, this is a great idea. We should do it. Two lines. It was two lines. I wrote like, I wrote so much. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Um, and then she said, yes. And, you know, like the thing that I always say is that 
when we talk about people of color, we talk about them and books and media, it's like vegetables. It's like, you know, the heartbreak stories, it's like police brutality, it's racism, it's how hard immigrant life is. And all of those things are absolutely true. And we need books and media that talk about these things because we still live in a world that's so, you know, terribly unfair in so many ways. Um, but we need other books too, right? Like we do need like the aspirational, sweet, safe, like where you just go, oh, I can be the hero of the story. I can save the world. I slay the dragons. I get the girl. Um, it's hard to be what you can't see, right? It's just difficult. And I know this just from having my little girl, just the, you can see the way their brains process um, the world. And so we, we need more of the, we need all the stories, right? And right now we have a preponderance of all the sort of vegetable stories and the hard stories, but we need, like, I don't wake up thinking about the struggle every day. It's not the first thing I think about, mostly because I need coffee and my child needs to go to school, right? Mm -hmm. And that's just, I and mean, then that's true, right? We have joy and we have suffering. We write so much about the suffering and we have to, but we need more of the joy too. Um, and I just feel like that's missing and so I want it not to be missing <laughs> anymore. So that is why Joy Revolution exists. And it's a beautiful, wonderful, amazing thing. Um, just reading the books that you guys have already put out this year. Um, I get chills just thinking about it because they're amazing stories. They're, so, they're good. so good. And they're just stories about people falling in love and, you know, just all the stuff happening around them, but that's the core of it is the joy. And um, and I see our time is like dwindling away, but I just I just wanted to say like thank you, mm -hmm. you know, Nicola and and to David for for putting this out into the world because it is so beautiful. And I'm so proud to be a part of Joy Revolution and and any way I can, honestly, and just spread that joy. So, so thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. And I can, and I can speak for all your other authors as well. I know them personally. I've spoken to them all and they thank you as well. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you guys for choosing us, right? Because it's like, we're still new, but I feel like we're doing all right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd say so. I'd say you're doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. It's... Well, thank you for joining us, honestly. I mean, I know we're going to get cut off at any yeah. moment, so. We just appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Well, thank you guys. I'm sorry it took so long. Life is ridiculous, but we're here now. Yes. It was <laughs> so right. wonderful to meet you. And I'm sure our listeners are going to just absorb all these gems of wisdom that you dropped because I know I was. And yeah, thank you so you're much. So, you're so nice. And then you guys just let me know if you need anything. <laughs>